Good morning, church. How are you? You okay? Good. You can take your seats. Well, I'm really excited about bringing God's word to you this morning. But uh, before we do, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being in your house together. Father, we pray as we come around your word that we learn something about you this morning. That we leave this place different to how we come in. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, the message I'm going to share with you this morning is the first message on the opening night of Gypsy Church that I shared a year and a half ago today. And that, the church has been going a year and a half. I'm going to give you a quick, quick update on what God's been doing at Gypsy Church. God's doing something amazing in this country. God is touching his people in an incredible way, amen? Not just here, but right across the UK, God is doing something incredible. And uh, we've seen hundreds of people come to know the Lord. We're not talking about 10, 15, 20. We're talking about hundreds of people across the UK coming to know Jesus and the power of his word. Oh, come on, church, it's better than that. Let's give Jesus praise. Well, let's get into the word. I want to talk to you this morning about knowing God as Father. I want us to think about what our image is of God. We can see God in many different ways. Some of us see God far off, way at a distance, way out there, far away from us. Some of us see God with a reverential respect and with a fear of God, standing in awe of him as this God that's way at a distance. And others see God as a God who's out to get us. We see God as this God with a baseball bat that's there to beat us whenever we make a mistake, whenever we trip up or sin, as we call it. They know God as an enforcer, living with a pressure that they can never live up to. But God don't want you to have that image of him like that. That's not the image that God wants you to have of him. That's a long sort of image because God's not a God that's out to get us. God's not a God who's there to beat us when we fall. God's not a God who's there to, uh, uh, to, to beat us and cause problems for us. Our God's a loving God. Our God's a, a God that wants the very best for us. He really is. And the best image we can have of God is that of a loving Heavenly Father. God wants you to see him as a loving Heavenly Father. A father is someone who's there to cheer you on. A father's there to help you in time of need. A father is someone who believes the very best in you. Many people know God as their savior, and that's the best way that we can know him. And I'm looking at a room full of people that most of you know God as your savior. But God wants you to know him as your father. And when you know God as your father, it takes on a whole nother level. It, your life takes on a whole nother meaning. You realize that he's not a God who's far away. He's not a God who's way at a distance. He's not a God who's out to get you. He's not a God that points out all the longs and the mistakes that you make. He's there as a constant source of strength. He's there continually to lift you up when you fall. The Lord helps the fallen. He don't crush them when they're down. 
He says, there is an encourager when you're down. How many of you go through down days? We all have down days. We all have days that are difficult. But God's there to encourage us, to spur us on. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6 says, The Lord, your God, will personally go ahead of you. He'll neither fail you nor abandon you. That's a promise of God. God will never fail you or abandon you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He's there to push you forward when you feel like giving up. And there's people here today, and you've had that thought this week. You've thought, I just can't do this anymore. I can't keep going. Things are tough. This Christian walk is difficult. Let me encourage you this morning. Yes, it is. But he's there as a constant source of strength for you. He's there to push you forward when you feel like giving up. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. When we're going through tough times, when we're going through difficult times, we can know that he's there. He's the one that's there. And we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. Another promise that God says that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. What a promise that God is a friend. He sticks closer to us than a brother. Most people get their image of God from their earthly fathers. Most people, most of us think of God in the way we think of our earthly dads. And if you were raised in a family and your father was not around or he wasn't there for you, like I've just been talking about what fathers do, or he was harsh or unkind towards you, then you need to make sure that that image that you have doesn't, imi- doesn't taint the image that you have of your heavenly father. Because it can do, it can tint the image of how we see God. But God today wants to drum home and wants you to know that he is a loving Heavenly Father. I think of a time when we had a dog growing up. This old dog, he was, he was a great little old dog, but he was scared of men. He was petrified of men. I remember my dad was, was there, and whenever he'd go near this dog, the dog would shrink back, he'd cower in the corner. Whenever he'd go near him, he was only going to go and give him a bone, and the dog would shrink back in fear. Why was the dog doing that? It was a rescue dog from, a, from the kennels, but it was scared it'd been mistreated before by a man. It had no problem when my mom went near it. When my mom went to the dog, she could do anything with it. Go and cuddle him, go and mess about with him. But when my dad went near him, that dog used to shrink back in fear, scared because of how he'd been treated and his mentality of men. That dog was not scared of women, uh, women, but it was scared of men because of the image it had of men from how he'd been treated. And it's the same with us. If you were raised by a father who was harsh, judgmental, impossible to please, and that's sometimes the image that we can have of God. Now, my father, he's a good man. My father's a, a loving man, in my opinion. My dad's a great man. And you know, my dad always wanted the best for me. He always wanted to give us the best. We didn't have a lot growing up, but he always made sure that we, he gave us the best. If he, if he could get, he gave. And that's like us as parents today. We want the very best for our children. We'll give them whatever we can. Why? Because we love them. It's no different with God. 
God loves you and he loves me so much that he wants to bless you. He wants to give you the very best. And that's how it is with my children. I'm a father, I go, you've probably seen them running around this place causing mayhem. <laughs> Two boys and a wonderful girl. And I'm there for them no matter what. I'm there for my children no matter what. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, those children got access to me. If my boys call, I'm there for them. Whenever they call, scream, or shout out, I want to be there for them, just like you probably do for your children. Even three o'clock in the morning, like this morning, hence the bags under my eyes. <laughs> Baby started crying. So you get up and you, I go and, I can't take credit for that, was my wife. <laughs> My wife's a wonderful woman. I couldn't do half of what I do without her behind me. I, and do you know what? Men, we should, we should honor our wives. But my children got access to me, always. My, my children, if they call me, I want to be there for them. If they trip over, I want to be there to help them, to pick them up when they fall. So it is with God. Haley read the scripture this morning from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't worry about anything. Do you know what that means? Let's go a little deeper. Don't worry about anything. What's that mean? It simply means don't worry about anything. <laughs> if the Bible says don't worry about anything, it means don't worry about anything but it tells us to do some things. Don't worry about anything, instead, pray about everything. When we're going through times of worry, times of turmoil, times of problems, and we're worried, God's telling us not to worry. You say, you don't know what I'm going through, Carl. You don't know the situation that I'm facing. You don't know some of the things I've gone through. No, you're right, I don't, but I know someone who do. His name is Jesus. And Jesus says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Why does he tell us to pray about it? Because when we pray, things happen. Things happen when we pray. We have had the privilege of seeing God do miracles. We've seen and prayed for people in this church, and we've seen God do miracles. And we read stories in the Bible uh, about God doing miracles. And the Bible's not some book that was written 2,000 years ago or more, and it's just full of old stories. The word of God is powerful and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's alive. And the Bible is real. And if it says lay hands on a sick and they will be healed, that's a promise that God will do what he says he'll do. We've seen miracles where God has healed people. Miracles. One man was at the point of death. I phoned Pastor Dave. I said, Dave, I've had a call. I need to go to the hospital. Someone's about to die. They're going to turn off the machine. I said, I've been asked by the family to go and pray for him. Off I went. Went down. Man's at the point of death. They're going to turn off the machine. It was over. I said, God, you need to do a miracle. I'm taking you at your word, and the Bible says that go and lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That man was in church last week praising God. Amen. Thank the Lord. Jesus is in the game of doing miracles 
And if you're facing a turmoil, you're facing something in your life, trust God because he can do it. He says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. He can do it. Why? Because he's there for you. He's there for you. You can call on your heavenly father and he will always respond. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. We can be confident knowing that when we go to God and pray, that he hears us. We've heard it said time and time again, but when we pray, heaven may seem silent, but it's not deaf. God hears your prayer. I encourage you, keep praying. And watch God come through for you. When you call, God won't put you on hold. You won't get through to an answer phone. You have direct access to God 24-7. You can pray to God in your own place. You can pray to him in your car. You can pray to him in your own house. You can pray to him walking down the road. People ask me to pray for him all the time. And I'll pray for anyone. They say, you're closer to God. Can you pray for me? And I turn and say to him, he hears you just as much as he hears me. God can hear you just as much as he hears me today. There's no difference in me and no difference in you. We're just the same in God's eyes. And God hears each and every single one of us. He hears you and he listens to you. I appreciate their respect for asking to pray, but I want to encourage and empower you this morning to go and do it for yourself. You don't have to come here and have hands laid on you. You can go to God directly yourself. You don't have to go through your vicar, your priest, or any previous person that's gone before you. Mary and St. Paul can't help you. They've gone before you. You can go directly to the throne room of grace. You can go directly to God this morning. You have direct access to God 24-7, just like my children got 24-hour access to me. When they call, I love it when the phone rings. And I hear his voice down the end. Dad. Puts a smile on my face. As it is with God, when you pray, it puts a smile on his face. He wants to hear you. Why? Because he's your loving heavenly father. When I've been out to work all day and I come back and my boy comes running up to me and first thing he does is puts his hands out. It fills me with joy. It fills me with happiness. So it is with God and you. He... That's my son, but you are a child of God. You are a child of the living God. You are the son and daughter of the king, amen? You can go direct to God yourself, and he will hear you. Some of you have that reverential respect for God, and you, you don't think that you can approach him. You don't think that you can go directly to him this morning. Well, this morning you've heard a different message. You've heard a message that will empower you to do it. You can go directly to your heavenly father because he is your heavenly father. Look what Jesus says in, when he teaches us to pray in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9, it's the Lord's prayer. But look what Jesus says. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Forever, amen. But notice Jesus here, how he opened and started to teach. Notice the first thing he says, our father. He wanted us to see God as a loving heavenly father. He wanted us to see God in a different way. And this morning I wanted you to leave this place seeing God in a different image. Seeing God not as one who's untouchable, not as one who's the majestic one, not some God in a stained glass window. But God wants you to see him as your loving heavenly father. He wants you to see him as someone who's right there close to you. Someone who's there to pick you up when you fail. Someone who's there to dust you down and push you on. And someone who's there at your point of need. I've been in prayer meetings and you probably have as well. And you hear people pray in the King James Version of prayers. Dear thou, dear thee, thou art creator of heaven and earth. I bow down before thee this morning. Other people, they quote scripture left, right and center. And they think that that's going to impress God. Let me encourage you this morning, church. Be yourself. You can only be yourself because everyone else is taken. There's no other person like me. And some of you say, thank God for that. And thank God there's no one else like you either. Because you are unique. You were made in his image. You are an individual and God loves you. He really does. God thinks the world of you. But when I pray, I simply just talk to him. Lord, things are rough this week. Things have been difficult this week. Help me. You can only be yourself, so be yourself. Don't try and be something you're not. You see, when we see God as a father, it's easy to speak to him. It's easy to talk to him. When you know God as father, you'll be strong and confident in who you are. You'll be strong in knowing who he is. You'll be strong in knowing that he's the one who's the source of your strength. When things are difficult, he's the one right behind you to be there for you. He's concerned about your every need. And we think we can only pray to God about big things. We can only pray to God about large things. No, we can pray to God about anything. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and 26 says, That is why I tell you, not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink, or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Let me tell you, church, God is incredibly proud of you. God is there to take care of you. He'll meet your every need. But God is incredibly proud of you. God's not got an image looking down from heaven at you as a bad person just because you've made mistakes. God's looking down and thinking, look at my child right there. Look at the one that I love right there. Look at the one that I created. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. What is a masterpiece? It's something of value. 
A masterpiece is something of wealth, something, something that's valuable, but something that's crafted. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You are created in his image. And he's incredibly proud of you, church. He's incredibly proud of each and every single one of you. My daddy always going on boasting about me. He's always going on telling people how proud he is of me. And I put my head down and, oh, dad, don't, come on, don't, don't go boasting on me. But same it is with my children. I love my children. You only got to be with me two or three minutes, I got to tell you about my children. But my dad, we were up in Brecon. And we were there and there was a man with a parrot in a cage. And he's talking to the man in... The man's proud of his palette, and he's telling all about this palette and the lovely colours. But it wasn't long before my old dad started talking about his palette. <laughs> oh, nice palette, yeah. Have I told you about my son? Oh, here we go again. Why is he doing this? Because he's proud of his son. Someone who came from nothing. And the Lord has blessed me. And the Lord will bless you as well. He really will. Do you know... He loves you so much. If there's one thing you take away from this morning, take away that, that God loves you so much. God don't just love you. He loves you so much. He wants to lavish his love upon you. He wants you to be filled with his love. His love, as we sung it, his love is relentless. His love goes beyond our expectation. When we make mistakes, He's not there to beat us. He's there to love us. When we make mistakes, he's there to pick us up and push us on, amen? Don't go through life beating yourself down just because you make mistakes. Don't go through life dragging yourself through life just because you think yourself less worthy than the person next to you. Have the image of God thinks of you. You are a child of God. You are the apple of his eye. You are the one that he loves. You are the one that he died on the cross for. If it was just you or just me, he'd have died on that cross for us. And he loves you so much. Don't let your own thoughts and your own mistakes convince you that you're all finished and you're all washed up. Some of you have had those thoughts for months. I can't do anything for God because of my background. I can't do anything for God because of what I've done. God won't use me, I'm finished. Let me tell you, church, your days, your greatest days are ahead. Your greatest days are still ahead. You may have made some mistakes, you may have messed up, but with God, he's there for you. He's there to push you on. He's there to see you through. Do you want to know what God thinks about you? I said, do you want to know what God thinks about you? Talk to me, church. Do you want to know what God thinks about you? Psalm chapter 139 verse 14 says that you have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You've been fearfully and wonderfully made. God's made you, created you, an individual just like you. That's how much God thinks about you. He's the one that breathed life into you. He gave you your gifts and your talents and thank God for that. Everything we are, he gave to us anyway and we should never be ungrateful for that. I thank God every day that I am where I am because without him I'd be nothing, amen? Yeah. 
And each and every one of us, we've got to be so thankful to God. When he answers our prayers, like Haley said, let's thank God for it. Because he, he does bless us. And he will bless us. When he looks at you, he smiles. He smiles down from heaven on you. Numbers talks about it, Numbers chapter 6. But even Job, Job gone through all of his bits and his pieces, and we can read it in the book of Job, we haven't got time this morning. But even God bragged on Job. He was bragging on his child, and he'll brag on you. He was bragging on his child. If God was standing here today, he'd be bragging on you right now. He really would. In fact, he is, because he's here with us. God's here with us, and he's so pleased. He's so proud. He's so happy with you. He really is. He's right here now, because the Bible says where two or three are gathered, he's there in the midst. We didn't come here to meet with each other. We come to meet with him. God's with us wherever we go. You see it in Job. He talks about, have you seen my son Job? God was proud of him. But you see, God loves us so much. He thinks the very best about us. And he wants you to think the very best of yourself as well. I'm not talking about being puffed up and prideful, but thinking about what he thinks of us. I mean, as parents, we see our children in a different light. We see our children in a different light to how someone else sees them. I mean, some babies, they're just ugly. <laughs> that one on the screen, that was a nice looking little baby. But let's be real about it, they are, aren't they? When my baby come, that little thing, oh, they had a big cone head and all, oh. But you know what? Most beautiful little thing I've ever held now. It might have had a bit of swelling, but that's all gone. The other one, he had an eye I didn't know who he was looking at. Still got it. <laughs> Keep praying for him. But you see, as parents, we see our children in a different light. I love my children with all their faults, all their failures, all their little quirky images in his eye. I love them all. I love him. That's him. Kelly's Kelly. You can't change him. I love him anyway. But you see, some people might look at him, oh, what's that? <laughs> but he's my boy. Amen. And I love him. <laughs> when my boy started talking, he, 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 he started talking. Henry, this was four. Now where's the last four years gone? Bam. Gone before us. But when he started talking, he was using words I didn't even know. He came up talking all these different words. What you, what's that mean? Karen informed he was talking Welsh. <laughs> Neither of us speak Welsh, so where he learned it, who knows? But he was talking Welsh, and I thought he was the smartest kid in the world. I thought he was the smartest little child that ever walked the earth, because that was the image I had of him. Smart little boy, he can talk. Oh, he's talking all these words. But that's how your Heavenly Father feels about you. You might be talking a whole load of gibberish sometimes, but your Heavenly Father loves you. Your heavenly father loves you so much. He really does. You may say, I've lived a bad life. How can God love me? I'm always out doing things I shouldn't be doing. I wish I didn't, but I just can't help it. 
Some of the things I say, I get angry. I've got bad habits, but hey, my children are not perfect either. You want to be in the house just before we left for church this morning? There was riots in the place. The children were going mad. They were fighting, I'm pulling them apart, but they're getting back in there. Let them carry on, I said later. <laughs> They'll toughen up. But you see, that's family. There'll be mistakes, there'll be problems, there'll be mishaps. My house is not always perfect. My children are not always perfect, but I'm proud of them. You might not always be perfect, but your heavenly father's proud of you. Your heavenly father loves you, and he's proud of you. Why? Because he made you. And he made you the way you are, and he loves you the way you are. As a parent, naturally, we'll have more mercy on our own children. We'll forgive them for the mistakes that they make when other people might not. And as it is with you, other people might look at you for some of the things that you've made, some of the decisions you've made. You might not be proud of it. You might not be happy with it. Other people may look at you and want to throw away the key because of some of the past that you've got. But you know what? Even when other people look at you, look how your heavenly father looks at you. He looks down from heaven on you with eyes of grace. He looks down from heaven with you and he wants to pour out and lavish his love upon you. Your heavenly father is a merciful, graceful, loving heavenly father. Amen? Those words, it's all well and good using those words, but what do they mean? The very it's, it's all, in church, we get in the habit of using these Christian words of mercy and grace. But what do they mean? It's no point saying them if, you, if we don't understand what the Bible's talking about. Grace simply means undeserved favor from God. Undeserved, unmerited favor. And God wants to pour out his undeserved favor upon us. Mercy means kindness and forgiveness. Especially when given to a person that don't deserve it. Do you deserve his kindness for the sins that we've committed, for the lifestyles that we sometimes live? No. But he wants to pour out his grace and his mercy on us, his undeserved forgiveness upon our lives. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31 tells us that. For the Lord your God, catch that, the Lord your God, the Lord my God, he is your God. He's not someone else's, he's yours. God thinks the world of you. For the Lord, your God is a merciful God. He's merciful. He'll not abandon you or destroy you or forget the covenant he made with your ancestors. You see you there. For the Lord, your God is a merciful God. He'll not abandon you or destroy you. He's not there to beat you down when you make mistakes or to destroy you and he won't forget the covenant he made with your ancestors when we make mistakes people will put you down when we make mistakes people will want the worst for you when we make mistakes people will want to lock you up and throw away the key but your loving heavenly father wants the very best for you he wants to push you on and see you excel he wants you to walk with him hand in hand he really do when we make mistakes I want you to learn to God, not to run away from him. God wants you to learn to him. 
Not think that we can't approach him just because we've made some mistakes. God wants the very best for us. Is that a reason to, or an excuse to sin and live a sloppy life? No. The message of grace is not a reason to sin. Grace is not a license to sin. It's a reason not to. We don't want to sin when we know the incredible love of God. Grace does not grant us permission to live in the flesh. It gives us power to live in the spirit. And we're all humans. We'll all make mistakes. But don't feel guilty. Don't feel condemned. For the Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank the Lord. There's no condemnation, no reason to feel guilty. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he forgave you of your sin. Past, present, and future. Amen? He forgave us of our sin. And when we make mistakes, there's three things we simply need to do. Accept his forgiveness. You don't need to cry out and pray for three days for his forgiveness. You need to accept it because he paid the price 2,000 years ago. And when he died on the cross and said, it is finished, here's another deep point again. Do you know what it means? It is finished. Praise God. Nothing complicated or deep there. It's finished. The past is the past. You can't alter the past. You can put the past on the altar. Come to God. And simply accept his forgiveness. Receive his mercy. And move forward with your life. Don't keep going back and visiting those old things. Let go of it and move on. Let go and move on. Because as we just said, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says that there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. Some people here, you're beating yourself up over things you've done five years ago. You're beating yourself up over things you did last week or last month. And you've asked God to forgive you a thousand times. And whenever you hear an altar call, you're, you're always wanting to get right with God time and time again. And you're beating yourself up over things you've done, trying to pay God back. Trying to work at your salvation. But the Bible says by grace we're saved. Through faith. And it's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Amen. It's the gift of God. So none of us can boast. We're all in the same boat. We've all made mistakes. We've all messed up. I'm no different to you. So you can be encouraged this morning knowing that God thinks the best about you. He loves you so much. You see, even when we do make mistakes, that mistake don't change who you are. You are a child of God. When I make mistakes, it don't change who I am. The mistake I make don't change my name. I'm still a child of God. I'm born Carl O'Dare. I am an O'Dare. I'll die an O'Dare. That's who I am. A mistake don't change my name. No matter what you've done, I'll always be an O'Dare. The mistake don't change your name. You're still a child of God. You're still in the family of God. You're not going to make a mistake and lose being in the, in the family of God. 
My boys have never got up in the morning as an old dear, had a fight, smashed the place up, gone mad, and gone to bed as a smith. <laughs> They're still old dears. Just because they've sinned, made mistakes, whatever you want to call it. Don't change their name. They're still my boys. As it is with you, you're still a child of the king. You're still a child of the king. Amen. You're still his child. You are the apple of God's eye. You are his most chosen, prized possession. He thinks the world of you. He may, he may not be pleased with our every action, but he don't stop loving us. Am I pleased with what my boys do all the time? No, I'm not pleased. But do I want to beat him with a belt? Of course I don't. Well, maybe sometimes. <laughs> no. But you see, as it is with the prodigal son. Turn with me, Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. We see the story here. I'll, I'll read it to you. It says, to illustrate this point further, Jesus told him this, told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate before, I want a share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed his belongings and moved to a distant land. There he wasted his money on wild living. About some time, about the time, his, about the time his money had run out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Verse 15, he, persuade, he persuaded a local farmer to, to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became very hungry, and he began to, he became very hungry, and even the pods that he was feeding to the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Then, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough spare, and here I am, Dying of hunger, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as your higher servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, what happened? His father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, he embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned both against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, go and bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill a fat and, and kill a calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate this feast, for, my, for this son of mine was dead, and now is returned to life. He was lost, but is now found. Why have I read that story from you? 
At the lowest moment, the son turned around and said, I will arise and go to my father. He'll arise and go back to where he knew it was going to be okay. Likewise, this morning you can arise and go back to your father. You've been running from him, but you can go running back to him. You don't have to run from God. You can arise and run to him. The only picture of God in the Bible where he's running, as, where he's running is as a father to his child in need. And I want, want to encourage you this morning. Run back to your heavenly father. Don't believe the lies that God don't love you. Believe the truth that he loves you so much. Believe that as you come close to God, God will come close to you. We read that in James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Some of you are thinking, well, how can I get close to God? Start putting one foot in front of the other and making your way home. Make your way back to him with all your failures, all your mistakes, all your mess-ups. And he will have his arms wide open waiting for you. He'll receive you back. He'll restore you and give you a new beginning. God can even make the rest of your life better than the start. He really can. As we close this morning, I want to encourage you. Get close to God. Know God as your loving Heavenly Father. Know Him. Spend time with Him. Christians, make the point of spending time with God. Spend, put time aside to spend with Him. Have coffee with God. Spend time in the morning. God, just want to spend 10, 15 minutes with you before the day starts. I want to get to know you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. You may be here and you're saying, but I don't know that God you're talking about. That heavenly Father, I want to know him, but I don't know him. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. With every head bowed and every eye shut, no one's looking around, it's between God and you. And if that's you, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer in the quietness of your own heart. Something like this. Jesus, I believe in you. I want you to come and live in my life. I accept you as my Lord. Help me to become a child of yours. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye shut, no one's looking around. It's between God and you. If that was you and you found yourself praying that prayer, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up on the count of three so I can see you, and I'm going to pray for you. One, two, three. Pop your hand up. I see your hand. I see your hand. Amen. Pop your hands down. I'm going to give you one more opportunity. For those who didn't, pop your hand up now. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this man that made a decision to follow you. 
Lord, I pray that you bless him and you keep him and you make your face to shine upon him. And my God, you give him peace. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Let's give God some praise, church.